This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the, the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Today on the Indo-Daily. Kevin Backhurst and the impossible job at RTE. My job is to restore trust. Clearly there's bits of goodie damage. Again, I apologise for that. But that's my job, is to restore trust in this organisation. And that's what I was trying to do. An impossible job is a famous phrase associated with the England football team. But for new RTE Director General Kevin Backhurst, it might just be a reality. RTE has lost the trust of the people and of its own staff. Our job as government is to help rebuild that trust. Public service broadcasting is too important to our democracy, our culture and our society to allow RTE to fail. Trust must be restored. Following weeks of controversy at the National Broadcaster, Backers took the reins this week. The news station boss emailed staff at 7am this morning to say he's standing down the RT executive board and replacing it with a temporary interim leadership team. With lucrative side deals and barter accounts in the firing line, can the DG rebuild RTE's reputation? A lot of people are saying that this is the kind of like least desired job in in public service broadcasting at the, in Irish media at the moment. But I think that if you were somebody who wanted to go in as a kind of radical reformer, you'd be pushing on an open door now. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Ellen Coyne, news correspondent at the Irish Independent, as we examine the difficult road ahead for RTE's new chief. So, Ellen, Kevin Backhurst starts today, 7am, email to staff, has been doing interviews and press conferences. So we've learned bits and pieces, probably not about the overall our overarching vision here, but in terms of the immediate crisis. Let's start with the executive team and how he flagged that he was going to restructure it. So, yeah, a half an hour before Kevin had even walked in the door of RTE um, on Monday morning, seven o'clock, the news went out that the executive board was being stood down. Later on, on Monday afternoon, we learned that um, a new interim leadership team had been put in place. I looked at uh, the skills we needed. Uh, I looked at, um, you know, what involvement or not people had had in the recent issues. Um, and that's how I put the team together. Uh, I feel this is a strong and balanced leadership team to take the organisation forward. Half of those are people who were previously on the executive board and half of them are people who've never been on the board before. And I suppose in fairness, when you're in an organisation like RT, it probably wouldn't be possible to have an entirely new executive board to have like the institutional management in place. But that certainly was like, um, I think that that was kind of the top line of Kevin Backer's new 
era, new reign in RTE to kind of shake things up from the top down and have a totally different culture. He also told us that from now on, any major financial decisions coming from the leadership team are going to be so transparent. They're kind of, everyone is going to be aware of what's happening. And that specifically, I suppose, is um, a little bit of a dig at, at D Forbes for what happened with the Ryan Tuberty payments where things were siloed. Some people have had a little bit of the picture, but very few people had the entire picture. Yeah, it's kind of like cabinet account- collective cabinet accountability that exactly. if you're in government and a decision is taken, you all took it. You can't exactly. turn around and go, exactly. he did it, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah, Yeah. so to, to improve transparency. Okay. Um, and he's also been talking about, um, we know from last week, he was talking to the unions, he was trying to talk to staff. That was a very conscious, deliberate effort, effort to make sure that uh, not just people at the top of the organisation, but the people at the, the kind of lower levels of the organisation, the normal on the ground staff, feel that this culture of change change is, isn't just going to Sweet be a true. talking point that it's actually going to happen. And thus far, so D Forbes obviously gone technically since midnight last night. Her term ended even though she was suspended for an, an annual leave for the latter, latter part of it. Rory Coveney resigns mm-hmm. last night, Director of Strategy. Today, the Director of Commercial, Geraldine O'Leary, who was due to retire next month. Anyway, she's now uh, resigned. Then... Other figures include uh, Richard Collins, the director of finance, uh, Jim Jennings, the director of content. So the two of them are not on the new team. Is that correct? No, they're not. Um, And I suppose like... When he was asked about it on Monday, Kevin Backhurst was very reluctant to talk about how many more resignations that we're going to see. Are you expecting more resignations? Um, I can't go into the individual things, but I, I'm not trying to be evasive here. I'm trying to. Uh, I've had conversations with those individuals this morning. There's a, you know, there's a process, and I want to be fair to those individuals in terms of the announcements we're making, and we'll make those either imminently or in due course. Reading between the lines, you do get the sense that people who've been at the top of RT that there is, it's a, the execs, the former execs are in a state of flux. Um, there could be more resignations to come this week, and I suppose he's kind of echoing what Shun told the Oireachtas Committee that there has been a drip feed of information and there could be new revelations to come which might not even be known to the new DG yet. Yeah, he, he made a point of saying that people are going through records in there at the moment and they're finding new information. He, he's very much forthright saying I want to put all this out exactly. and so on and so forth. Doesn't, not a fan of the drip feed but it's actually saying there's a reason for the drip feed is that people are coming across new uh, facts and figures uh, in there. It's interesting that he's basically he he's kind of conceded today he was told an issue was coming down the track when he was offered a job but but he still took it up um, in 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 mid, mid-April. So he has kind of had a chance to get his head around things. In terms of some of the other changes that he's talking about, the agents, it's vague, but there's something coming there. Absolutely. I think like when you listen to um, the tone and rhetoric of the new DG when he's talking about agents, it's probably not something that he looks favourably on. Like he's been quite clear that the amount of influence that agents have has not been appropriate and he was very reluctant to name individuals. Uh, On the question of the agent, I don't want to single out an individual agent. I don't think it's personally healthy that any single agent um, has such power in any particular country. So, you know, we'll be looking at our future relationship with agents. Kevin Backhurst has said that, you know, the the use of agents is something that is under close consideration now. And I suppose people would make the argument that if an agent does their job too well and they're representing a public service broadcaster, effectively their job is to get as much 
public money as possible out of RTE. And people are wondering, when you're talking about people who are in news and current affairs, is that appropriate? Like whatever, if it's kind of showbiz personality, if it's somebody who's like an actor, an entertainer. But the use of agents, I think, in that sort of public service broadcasting is something that's going to be under major scrutiny now. There's a logic as well, though, he was pointing out, Fair City actors might well have agents and that's you know they'd be doing a whole host of things I mean they might be doing Fair City for half the year they might be doing theatre the other half they might be going over to work in, in movies or, or whatever so the, the logic you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater exactly. here there's still some people who do genuinely you know do genuinely require to have agents because they're doing a, a multitude of jobs basically Yeah and like again having an agent is not a nefarious thing it's not a bad thing but what I think is really interesting over the last few weeks is people talk about the influence that agents have on RTE. But I wonder, is it more uh, the deference that RTE shows to agents? Like if you talk to some people off the record who work at other broadcasters, they would kind of say that that those that sort of antics from agents just wouldn't pass because those people have a finite pot of money. The salary that you have is is what you have. Yeah, there's, there's not also, a lot of room for the, negotiation. It's kind of a focus here on the agents who are covering the top 10 or top 20 broadcasters. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's, so it seems to be kind of bringing a rule where you can deal with some sort of agents, but not too much with other types of agents. So, you know, there might be competition commissioner uh, <laughs> issues to, to come to, to into play there. Ryan Tuberty, what's Kevin Backer's stance there? As far as Ryan goes, I mean, we'll have to see how the week goes and what comes out this, this week. Uh, we'll have to take a decision on that soon, but for everyone's sake, for our sake and for Ryan's sake. He kind of kept his cards close to his chest on that. I suppose all day Monday, he would have been aware that on Tuesday, Ryan Tuberty is making this really highly anticipated appearance in front of two Oireachtas committees. And I think that the tone and tenor of how Ryan approaches those things is probably going to have more of a determining effect on his future within Orti than anything that Kevin Backhurst might might think or feel. And I think that the new DG quite wisely was saying that in in not so many words, we're just going to have to see how things play out. Like, what is Ryan's answer going to be when politicians are rightly asking him why he never stepped in to correct the public record when his pay was published and it, when he knew that it was lower than what he was actually earning? So I think that that really is probably going to decide uh, Ryan Tuberty's broadcasting fate within RT more than anyone on the executive board would. Yeah, so all writing on his performance on the early, early show at the... Uh, <laughs> At the Public Accounts Committee and the Mid-Mid Show on the Media Media Committee. A register of interest. Now, he, he has said quite clearly it's damaged trust in RTE. Did you have people uh, in, engaging kind of commercial side deals and then some of them might be in breach of RTE's journalism content and guidelines? So he's made a big play on this register of interests. And how will that work? So, yeah, he's been quite clear that under his uh, kind of tenure, contractors for RT, so big name presenters, will be able to continue to have commercial brand deals, but will have to be incredibly transparent. So you will have this register of interest. But I think if you listen to, to the way that he's talking, I think there is going to be a lot more scrutiny internally in RT. So RT, RT has said up until now that if you are a contractor, you need your RT line manager's permission before you can engage mm -hmm. in a brand deal. But I think if you look at the amount of people who've been doing brand deals that are effectively promoting gambling and alcohol, which are things that are very tightly regulated when they're broadcast on RT, I think you're going to have more scrutiny on that. He's also made veiled reference to ensuring that people didn't breach RT's guidelines. So even if you're a contractor who 
we might see as an entertainer rather than a news and current affairs presenter, you still have to abide by Ortiz journalism code on those things like the promotion or yeah. glamorization of alcohol. Because or... you have the brand basically behind exactly, you. you. Exactly. You can't tarnish the brand. Now, Ellen, how does a register of interest work? So a register of interest would basically ensure that top RTE stars, because this applies to contractors as well as staff, would have to declare if they had a brand deal or a sponsorship with somebody that obviously might compromise their coverage of them. So if this was in place, you'd have a system where we, the public and the execs in RTE would be able to see how many brand deals or sponsorships each of their stars had done. This is very relevant because this, since this controversy broke, there has been a lot of questions about the brand deals and the volume of brand deals that presenters have engaged in. You have people who might have been in up to 50 to maybe over 100 brand deals over the last two or three years. Some of them could be something as small as yogurt. Something it could be as valuable as them getting a flat screen TV or an SUV. And some of them can kind of blur the lines between their independent role as media personalities, social media influencers, and their role as public service broadcasters and I think that that is why the public are so interested in this and the public are so annoyed by this. And RTU have argued that they've got social media guidelines in place, they've got uh, journalism guidelines in place, they've got rules on what you can and can't do on campus. So let's take a couple of examples because Kevin Mackhurst does actually say as well that the management are writing to all relevant line managers in RTE seeking clarification on any potential breaches of RTE's journalism and content guidelines and meetings are underway in this regard. And then he's saying this is long overdue and as new cases come to light which continue to damage trust in RTE I'm sure you will recognise the urgency and importance of this process. So he's kind of appealing to the, the wider staff there probably they would be singing from the same hymn sheet about the actions of particular individuals. So let's go through some of these people where potential breaches of RT's journalism uh, and content guidelines have happened. Lottie Ryan, what happened there? So Lottie Ryan um, might be best known as an entertainment reporter on 2FM. So she's a contractor, she's not RTE staff, but she's also kind of um, garnered a personality online as a social media influencer. So she, like many other RTE stars, got a brand ambassador role with a car dealership. And through this, she got the use of a Toyota car. I think most recently she was driving a hybrid, which was worth around €50,000. And right at the time when the Ryan Tuberty scandal was breaking, she was in the car park of RTE with we assume somebody from Toyota filming a promotional video with, you know, RTE branding in the background in the RTE car park. And all of this, we were told, is supposed to be something that's completely parallel to her work for, for RTE. We set you a bit of a task okay. this week. We put you into the brand new BZ4X. How was the experience? The experience of driving the BZ4X has been unlike anything I've ever done before because this, to me, is like the equivalent of a first-class plane seat on the road. It's like a couch on wheels. It's just... It was the Irish Independent who spotted this video. We brought it to RTE's attention and the video was swiftly taken down. But I think that's a perfect example. Like, you know, you can say 
um, you can say all you want that these people have social media profiles and they work hard as influencers, but would Toyota have given or Lottie a car if she didn't work for RTE? And if so, why were they trying to promote it in the RTE car park? Yeah, so if she'd filmed that video outside on the Stellargan Jewel carriageway, fine, but she actually filmed it in behind a security barrier in the RTE car park with RTE signs visible in it as well. Without permission. So it's without permission and that's your social media guidelines as well. Next person to follow on from there then is Darren Gary. How did she uh, allegedly breach guidelines? So Darren is probably one of the most prolific RTE presenters for brand deals. She's a very big following, over 300,000 followers on Instagram. So she gets a lot of brand deals all the time. One of them was this deal with Flavins, which is obviously a breakfast product. And she is a breakfast presenter for 2FM. Again, we were told this is supposed to be separate to her work for, for RTE. So Flavins had this social media campaign where we kind of do a day in the life. And I think the hashtag was something like Office Oats. So it was doing a day in the life of Garrett. Deering Garrahy, the breakfast presenter, talking about eating porridge in the office. Deering Garrahy's office is 2FM. So she posed in a 2FM radio studio with all these Flavins products around her. Ortiz said that they had given her permission to get into the brand deal, but they hadn't given her permission to kind of use Ortiz facilities or kind of have Ortiz radio studio in the backdrop. Again, it was the Irish Independent that spotted this uh, social media post, brought it to Ortiz's attention. They told us that it had been flagged at the time, but it was after we started asking questions about it that the, the post was taken down. And again, I think that's a perfect example of Deering Garrahy might say that she does her kind of separate work, separate to RTE. That's, you know, the work that she gets as a podcaster, as an influencer. Would Flavins be trying to advertise a breakfast cereal if she wasn't a breakfast presenter? And does that mean that brands are in a position where if they want to get associated with the 2FM breakfast show, they can do it by paying one of the presenters directly rather than having the money go to RTE where it might benefit other public service broadcasting? Marty Morrissey the car not declared to RTs that's quite clearly a breach of, of their guidelines what's happening there with him? So um, I suppose it's been widely reported that Kevin Backhurst has have had a very close friendship with Marty Morrissey so Yes the odd couple the, yeah, yes, yes exactly it's kind of like a, kind of ta- introducing him to um, you know the world of GAA and kind of Irish culture and all that sort of thing so he has been very reluctant in every aspect of his interview so far to, to go into specific individuals. But I suppose the Marty Morrissey thing is uh, is something that is attracting a lot of media attention. We know that he's still on air. We know that he's still presenting. We know that he's due to step in for Ryan Tuberty on the, the August bank holiday. So this will be something that is kind of noted. I highly doubt any RT staff member will ever enter, enter into a similar engagement again. But as far as we're concerned with Marty Morrissey, he's going to continue to broadcast. Yeah, and, and, and Kevin Backhurst has said he has recused himself from any process, so we say, yes. around Marty Morrissey and he's, he's appointed Adrian Lynch, the, the deputy uh, acting, or no longer acting, the, the deputy DG to handle that. So clearly there's a process in place. So that may well be going on a disciplinary route and they're not the only ones who have commercial deals but these ones have particularly come to attention because they would appear to have breached uh, RTE guidelines. Why is this thing a problem? Why is it a problem that an RTE personality would be plugging a brand? So I suppose sponsored content in and of itself in brand deals is not a nefarious thing. It's kind of the most natural way for advertising to work now that social media is so influential and so ubiquitous in all of our lives. And because we tend to have more personal connections with people we follow on Instagram than we might have with a, a, a traditional broadcaster or presenter. I think the first thing is perception. The reason that the public are so angry about this, what originally started as the Ryan Tuberty controversy, is the feeling that there's like a gravy train for RTE stars, the people who are at the top of a, 
a broadcaster that's staffed and kept running by people who are on zero hours contracts and very low salaries comparatively. So the idea that you would kind of go into RTE and use it as a launch pad for your parallel commercial career is annoying to people. Like, I think social media sponsorship, I think that the arse is kind of going to fall out of it anyway because people are annoyed at seeing people getting so many things for free. It's irritating when it's an influencer. When it's a publicly funded broadcaster, it's galling. You'd be right to ask, you know, if Carl Mullen wasn't on 2FM and if he hadn't won Dancing with the Scars, would Dancing with the Stars, would Skoda be giving him an SUV? Or has he kind of profited from the platform that the public service broadcaster has created for him? It also brings into question, should you be allowed to exist as a public service broadcaster and a private commercial broadcaster at the same time? Lots of stars particularly within 2FM have uh, radio broadcasting careers that we all fund and parallel to that they get to have commercial broadcasts commercial podcasts sorry that they run on social media that have lucrative sponsorship deals so is RTE spending loads of public funds training people up giving them broadcasting careers for them to create rivals to RTE that they also present in their spare time we still don't have a lot of transparency about pay beyond the top 10 are people in 2FM being paid enough or are they in a situation where they feel that they need to kind of top up their salaries with deals at the side and I think that it's certainly not the same as what happened with Ryan Tuberty which is is clearly wrong and was clearly kept secret this is happening out in the open but I think that the public are right to ask questions about it and I think that Orti is right to have more transparency around it Yeah so it's a very blurry area because it's a new development influencers and so on it's it's a a new concept that's emerged uh, in recent years so Kevin Backhurst apart from seeking clarification, he's bringing in a register of interest and he's probably going to have to re-examine the, the rules that are in place uh, at, at the moment. This is part of, I suppose, Kevin Backer's get to hit the ground running because he knows the turf he's racing on to be to be, to use horse racing uh, parlance. Again, he was previously in RTE. Tell us about that previous stint that he had. So he's really interesting because he's kind of an insider and an outsider. He's has had history in RT and in BBC. People might remember him from being brought in as um, head of news in 2012 after the Mission to Pray calamity, which was um, very costly to RT. Brought primetime investigates. Yeah, off tell air. us about that. So how did, what played out there? So RT had broadcast uh, a primetime investigates program where um, serious editorial mistakes were made and where they had seriously defamed um, a priest. Afterwards, there was a huge just collapse in the trust in Ortiz broadcasting. And it was particularly bad because it related to news and current affairs, probably the most important public service broadcasting element within RTE. So Kevin Backhurst was brought in. He was kind of saying at the time that this was the only job that could have brought him away from the BBC um, because he's def- his background is in news. He's always kind of had a loyalty to public service broadcasting. So he was brought in with the unenviable task of trying to restore our faith in RTE's journalism. And I think that if you were to look at RTE today, even this week, when you look at the work that's being done by RTE Investigates, you could certainly say that he succeeded there. And there are parallels, like it was a time when morale in RTE was extremely low, when it wasn't a job that anyone else would envy. But he did come in and um, he did manage to pull it up from a very low place. And I suppose when he agreed to come back this time, the job description was looking a little bit different to how it looks this week. But um, a lot of people are kind of 
drawing faith from that, that, you know, he has been thrown into RT at times of serious tumult and he has been able to pull it back from that. So he went he went from the BBC to, to R- RTE. RTE and then within RTE he became the Deputy Director General. Uh, he's worked with Ofcom, who are the regulator on everything from television to telecoms mm-hmm. over, over in the UK. So he knows all about rules and stakeholders and engaging with government uh, and, and, and so on. It's his effectively his second time going for the job though isn't it he was the favourite seven years ago yeah and he did lose out on that and I think that within RTE at the time there would have been a lot of people who would have been maybe a little bit disappointed in that because he does have a reputation for being quite um, quite blunt and kind of saying things as they are and certainly, you know, not wrapping things in, you know, putting sugar on anything. But um, he would be very well got as well. He would be seen as somebody with a lot of integrity. Definitely someone who matches the ethos of a public service broadcaster, which is probably why he did so well in the BBC as well. And um, he did kind of lose out on the job then. And I think a lot of people would have perceived that as been him, you know, being gone from RT forever, that maybe he wouldn't come back. Um, he was announced uh, a couple of months ago as um, the successor to D Forbes. And I think that even over the last few weeks, he, he only started the job on Monday, but I think he was joking that he'd never had a job before where he'd done so much unpaid work. Like he'd met with Catherine Martin. The incoming Director General committed to full cooperation with the independent root and branch examination and the forensic accountant that will be appointed next week. And it was agreed that these actions would complement the work and reform of RTE that he is planning. Mr. Backhurst reassured me of his plans to reconstitute the executive board his plans to engage with staff and to introduce new processes to restore confidence in the management of RTE. He'd been really across the Oireachtas committee meetings. He'd been meeting with all of the relevant people, having conversations with the RTE executives. So he has definitely already hit the ground running. He's kind of been a shadow DG even before he even started this week, just because of the crisis compelled him to to get on top of this. Do you think he's up for the job? I think so. I think that, you know, a lot of people are saying that this is the kind of like least desired job in in public service broadcasting at the, in Irish media at the moment. But I think that if you were somebody who wanted to go in as um, a kind of radical reformer, you'd be pushing on an open door now. And we know that he does have that background in news. If, for example, he was somebody who didn't like the influence of talent agents and kind of felt that the commercial interests in RT were taking too much control, this is absolutely the best time for him uh, to kind of push back on that. You could see a situation now where talent agents, their power is going to be diluted. There's going to be more of an effort to kind of stem the the influence of commercial interests in or to even, even what we were just discussing there about brand deals for presenters. So I think if you wanted to be somebody who changed RTE, you're probably never going to have a better chance to do that. And I think that because morale is so low, presumably you could only go up from here. Alan Coyne, thank you. And we will have an Indo-Daily Extra on Ryan Tubery's appearance before those committees tomorrow. I'm Fionan Sheehan, and today's episode was produced by Tabitha Monaghan, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE News, The Journal, Virgin Media News, Aractus TV and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.